This is the Mod Pod, brought to you by Modality, helping businesses optimize their Microsoft technologies everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Mod Pod. And we have a nice, big, juicy topic for us today in terms of Russia. What are organizations doing? What do you need to consider? Uh, and what about if you have Russian products within your environment? And to talk through that today, we have some senior solution architects with us uh, in the names of Paul Hayward and Rich Tolley. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting discussion. So let's go. Right, the topic of Russia. Um, first of all, I don't think anybody uh, that we're talking to today or anybody within our organization has anything other than contempt for the actions of Russia and sympathy uh, for uh, the people of Ukraine. So if we leave the political piece there, there are practical things that I think people need to you know, understand is um, Russia obviously has, um, I think the topic of Russia has two angles to it. The first one is what are the organisations that that we're working with doing? What's their approach to it? What have we seen as far as corporate decisions goes? How are they treating their, their technical systems? And then there's probably the second angle of how far do you take your distancing of Russia um in the sense of do you remove um uh, russian based uh, technology companies etc from your your portfolio or your environment so um where do we want to start with this i i, I guess probably the easiest place is what do we see companies doing i mean for me initially you've <laughs> You've got to look at, you know, if, if you're a Western-based organization and, and you have certain products or tool sets inside your organization that are um, Russia-owned or Russia-funded, whatever it might be, is, you know, ethically, but more security-wise, are those the types of products that you want to, to, to have in, in your organization? You know, there are some certain security products out there that sort of spring to mind straight away that, you know, are they going to be more of a security threat potentially than what you want them to actually do, which is protect you from security threats? So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know whether we've seen anything like that. I know I spoke to one of the colleagues the other day that they're seeing a massive influx of organisations coming to uh, NASTAR and, and Modality and, and requesting that these certain types of products be removed from their portfolio and, and their organisations. So I don't know whether you guys have seen anything like that as well. I think there's a there's 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 a is it going to cause you harm technically? I would mm. imagine an awful lot of the products out there, the straight products, are just technical pieces of kit, probably aren't actually going to cause you, you know, any problems. There there, there probably aren't any backdoor type, um, you know, covert processes going on that you're not aware about. I think this is mm. much more of an ethical thing mm. um, of 
you know, of, of, of not supporting a country that has chosen to do what it has. Um, I know that there are a lot of conversations going around, definitely around um, certain antivirus products, for example, um, where people are saying, yes, actually, we don't want to use this anymore. Um, and that, I think, is, you know, relatively sort of straightforward decision. Mm. Um, what I think is probably a bigger decision is if you're a UK company, for example, using something like the, you know one of those antivirus products or whatever that's actually quite a simple decision if you're a global enterprise mm. with operations in russia and let's face it and belarus what do you do you know we've i can see paul's gonna <laughs> he's gonna launch it no, no. <laughs> I, I was i was just gonna want to that you are coming forward with the very definition of a trolley problem. You know, there is no way of doing that sort of action at an enterprise scale without some form of harm mm. either way. Um, one, one of the things that I've seen with a couple of the companies that I work with and, and help out is that they've tackled it very head on and cut the cord with, mm. the, with the Russian entities that they have. It is easier for some companies than others to do that technically because you just break the network. So you've got six months to um, spin yourself off as your own legal entity within your own, company, your own country and then move forward. But that problem of certain vendors in a global enterprise, it's not easy to unpick an entire antivirus product, get another one spun up, get it ready to go and have it done on the drop of a hat. It does take time. There's a lot of analysis of, uh, as to what the actual configuration is and any additional impacts because every vendor works subtly different. Yeah, and I, I think the the cutting off of of solutions is, is something we've seen a fair amount of. You know, we've definitely had quite a few customers come to us and say, right, that's it. We're just going to, as you said, disconnect the network and let them work out their own um, uh, you know the, their own systems and i think that's that's fine from a sort of a, an almost an infrastructure perspective of your firewalls your infrastructure your core switching your active directory um you know you can have your own domain controllers but where you start to look into where are the documents stored who's got access to what that makes it much much more difficult It's it's messy, yeah, very messy. Yeah, I mean, if if you've not got a good set working practice of of data management, data labeling, whatever it might be, already in place at this moment in time, it, it, it's going to be a nightmare for organisations to to unpick that and, and and get that stuff all sorted and, and into a working practice. Um, I mean, we, we already know from historical deployments that you know places like China for example, are already difficult to deploy certain types of technologies into. And there are certain working practices and methods that you have to put in place whilst working with organizations over there. And, you know, likewise with exiting a, a country like Russia, you, it's it's just going to be a minefield and, and, and so many considerations paid to it. Never mind the, the morality of the situation and all that sort of stuff. It's 
like you say, cutting them off. Yeah, all right. Uh, certain organizations, providers, tech providers have, have been stopping new sales with inside Russia. But, you know, those with existing contracts are, are still working on the platforms that were always provided. You're just limiting the, the, the bandwidth that, that Russia have for continuing to, to work within the tech industry and with the tech services that they have. So it's, yeah, it's it's such a tough one. I just... it, it is. And I, I think, you know, one of the other things that, that struck me when, you know, having conversations with, with clients about, you know, what on earth should we do? We're talking about a very sort of on-prem minded piece as far as Active Directory. What do you do when you've got a shared tenant? Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't you can't just drop that off. I mean, you could, in theory, I guess, disable disable all your accounts for Russian users. But it's it's still a moving target, though. Yeah. You know, you, you could look at this moment in time and say, right, OK, sanctions are in place. There's no new sales happening. Let's look to employ some ethical laws, for example, or something with inside our tenant. Yeah. Who says that the sanctions are going to stop there? Who says that, OK, it's not just any new sales, but any existing contracts with these Western based organizations were going to cease completely? Well, we, we've refused to renew contracts. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, it? So it's a very valid, it's a very valid problem. Yeah. And also, not, who says that they're not going to disconnect themselves as yeah. well? They have done it as a trial run before they, the, the Russian government has disconnected Russia from the wider internet at the same time. That kills most cloud services then mm. in the water for them. Now, there are, there are additional angles of consideration when it comes to the cloud services within Russia um, beyond just new contracts, existing contracts and renewals. So what? what's the advice to people then? It's, it's an interesting, I think, I think to be honest, if, if it was my, if it was my business, I think I would have to almost ignore the technology mm. and decide whether I want any kind of fire break, complete disposal, or, or or what, and then you know what you've got to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've touched a couple of the areas already during <laughs> our ramblings, but I think it's, you know, first things first is that data management for me. You know who's got access to what, and you know should the the definite uh, breaking of of contact away from Russia occur, at least you've got that control, and at least you can implement some form of clean break and know where the data belongs and who's got access to it. Mm. I think that should be the first and foremost priority for any organisations looking at the the government guidelines. I mean, I had a quick look a couple of days ago at the government guidelines and. To be honest with you, I think you need a degree to to understand them and to sp spend the time looking through them. There's so much legal spiel in there that you know you you really need to get your legal teams involved and all that sort of good stuff and 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 see what you'd need to prioritise. But for me, it'd be that data management aspect: who's got access to what, who's got visibility of what, and then make your next move from there. And so, how would you how would you go about that then? You know, if if you if you decide okay that the data is the bit I need to retrieve and protect. Mm. I guess <clears throat> you know you, you can put in 
classifications and, and, and all sorts of things like that. That's not a quick yeah. process for if you're an it's, enterprise. It's definitely not. No, exactly. Um, you know, that's... I mean, although, yeah, we, we, we sell those services to, to help organisations on their way with, with those types of stories, like you say, it's not a, a quick process because at the end of the day, you have to reinvent the wheel with the way that you work with your data uh, and how you manage it. No longer do you, you know, you you have a, an S drive, for example, and a, and a batch file that runs on everyone's machine mapping the network drives in the morning and everyone dumps their stuff in one place and, and that's it, you know, but some organizations, organizations still work that way. Um, but there's a massive lack of control, especially if you're a global entity all accessing that type of data and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Is there any shortcuts that can be taken? Paul, I know you're actively working with, with customers at the moment on things like data management and digitization. Have you got any words of wisdom? <laughs> Just ask Paul for words of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, words of wisdom and me don't go together very well. I'll, I'll be honest. And anything to do with Russia, I'm surprised that I'm not just bleeped out. But the, the systems employed in say m365 and many of the on-premise and, and other cloud services that do all these very similar things they're designed to categorize your your data they're designed to apply rules to your data based on what you say they're not designed to apply a rule on your data so that you can take it off the service mm. they are designed to do something with the data after you categorize it be that encrypt it apply data loss prevention rules whatever so you're essentially working against the core reason for being for these product sets by by employing that approach. But are there any other approaches beyond getting somebody to actually start reading all the documents that are within a tenant that you have to spin off? So or within file share. <clears throat> so you can scan file shares. You there is <laughs> the tools can help you automate it, but ultimately so it's this, a massive this, this then comes back to your corporate decision about what you want to do with things then, doesn't it? Because yeah. you could take the approach of, I'm going to disable the user accounts for Russia, any access, boot them out, pull back all the data effectively. So, you, the, you know, the, I was about to say the annexing, it's not, quite the word to use with um uh, with russia's past history but it's that that cutting off of access um seems to be probably the the cleanest way you disable people's accounts mm. and then you remove them from the the network but it's it's still not going to be that clean cut is it no, I mean, you're still going to have local caches of, of, of data and things like that. You know, it's, it's probably leading us into our next topic there. You know what I mean? It, it's how you secure that data and how you make sure that it can't be accessed after that, that cutting of the, of the cord. I mean, if you, if you think about it purely from a technical standpoint with Active Directory, you cut off Active Directory, cut off the network you leave, Russian entity with their own version of your Active Directory. Their own version of your Active Directory has got all your user accounts, all your SIDs, everything that can identify a user within your network. It is not 
it is not it is technically feasible to drop the guillotine and then they go on their own there are unforeseen consequences in every action which we're seeing with the whole situation but there are unforeseen consequences to just dropping the network and saying you're on your own now yeah you know it's it's never that easy unfortunately well, I think let's let, let's run this through. I, mean, I know we have we had another topic sort of lined up, but I think we should carry on this one through because it's 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 obviously much more of a complicated topic. Um, and you know, there must be businesses out there just looking at it, going, "I don't know where to start." Because you're right, if they've if they've got those, you know, there's effectively a a copy of of everything anyway. How secure can you make it and how quickly? I think that's the problem is the speed of it. If, if you want to be thorough and uh, make sure that there's only visibility of, of what there should be visibility of, there's that sanitization process afterwards or the, the planning up front, it, it, it's going to take time. Oh, you write your own malware to take it out. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. <laughs> not, not the angle I thought we were going to end up talking about. No, but that 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 taking the 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 thought process of sanitizing the data and everything like that. You know, there there is a copy of the car directory. Though there will be copies of other things. Like the only functional way is to basically remove that data from the network entity that is there. Be that domain control stuff like that. That is. That is pretty serious stuff. That is not something you can roll back. Anyway, so so when you're when you're talking about really cutting off somebody's access, you're not just talking about disabling people's accounts, are you? You're actually going to have to remove those accounts, and then if if at some point in the future, and I think to be honest, it's it's going to be you know years and years and years before anybody is likely to trust you know, uh, that commercial space fully again, mm. um, you're going to basically have to sort of take that approach of of deleting people's accounts who are in Russia. And with that goes the permissions to the documents. And then should people rejoin later, you're going to have to create them completely new accounts with new SIDs and... Yeah. Yeah, at which point there's a there's a whole merger conversation to be had, which is the reversal of what everything's been done. So yeah, it's yeah it, I, I, again I, I, though, Pete, I think it comes down to your comment about what is the business objective, what is the business's long term mm. strategy, what are their plans, what are their ethical outlooks, and then move from there. Yeah, and ethics in technology is quite a difficult there are often times where they trample upon each other uh, so take for example is it is it ethical for for say a pharmaceutical company to remove all operations from russia when they develop medicines that the russian people would need so yeah. how did they tackle that problem because again that's a that's a trolley problem yeah i mean if, if you're if you're you know shipping your your product let's say it's not a one that depends you know what people's lives depend upon um you know it's a it's a widget that you sell and you ship into russia um that's a far easier cleaner decision yeah. right 
because it's it's oh well I don't want to sell to them anymore. Mm-hmm. Bang, you shut down and go. Um, even where you've got some of the likes of the you know the big accountancies, where they're turning around and saying, right, we want nothing to do with it. A lot of the you know the the models there are based around sort of franchises. So effectively, what you can do is turn around and go, see ya. Yes, there's still the technology to to resolve. Um, but I think where you've got the more complicated, more regulated industries, that's that's a real sort of it's a big piece of work. I mean, you can you know you can stop access to their you know to their accounts for the moment. We do hear about some companies who have sort of put things to to sleep, as so to speak, in Russia and just going, right, actually, we're not going to deal with that, we'll shut down things and send people home. Mm. But, you know, that's a that's a sort of a temporary measure, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, I can't see this being resolved massively quickly. And even if it does get resolved quickly and the actual troubles end, I would imagine that by and large, Russia will be out of the commercial market for a decade or so. The the, the technical impacts to 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 Russia Russia as part of of the actions that have been taken and as part of the sanctions, it's going to be massive. It's going to be huge. It's going to put them behind the curve by I'm um, sticking a finger up in the area. You know, at least five years if it, if it continues to go on for another six months or so. You know, would stopping shipping microprocessors into the country and stopping supplying those types of things, stopping access to services that are accessed by the rest of the globe. Mm. It's just, it, it's a nightmarish scenario for the 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 actual normal people of Russia. And obviously, I understand that you know the the nightmarish scenario. I don't understand, but I you know you see it of the people of Ukraine. But you know, for the normal working folk of Russia. Well, they, they can't use Apple Pay. Bad. They can't. Yeah, they they can't. You know, their their the whole way of living for them is just going to go down the pan. So, and it's you know. So I mean, you know, I guess I guess we can't sort of get into the the rights and wrongs of the impact to the Russian population. You yeah, know, it's a consequence of what the government's doing. Um, but I think. You know, there does seem to be, there, I think there was initially, there was a real sort of, not quite a knee-jerk reaction, but it's a case of, we need to get out. And I think, from what I've seen, organisations are following through with that, but the speed in which the technology can execute on the request to the business is the real pain point at the moment as you said earlier paul you know it's like deciding that you don't want vendor a in your organization well if you're a couple of hundred users that's probably fine you could do that quite quickly um if you're 20 30 users that's actually quite a big piece of work and yes you've got the ability to push things out you know via um, systems management tools etc but it's not a small change. I've just been thinking about it then, you know, maybe you could look at any BCP plans that organisations have and maybe look to remodel them to to work in this scenario. 
to know you know there's organizations i've worked with that have built up their their continuity plans for an outage or a malware attack you know could we not just find and replace malware with exiting branch offices you know and that's the way that you deal with it i don't know maybe repurposing those types of plans i think it's quite interesting isn't it because you know depending on which news source you go for or or whatever it is um you know people i think people didn't expect this to happen but actually if you do look back over you know a number of years and and with what happened in uh, crimea etc you know it did go ahead and you know it, it, nothing was done about it effectively um so so maybe you could have seen something like this coming but i don't think anybody expected it to in this case to be so violent so quick and so sort of sustained um and let's face it who with that kind of foresight has written into their business continuity planning this is what we're going to do if if a one country invades another country that we're involved in. Yeah. I don't think anybody's got that written into their oh, BCPs. If you look in certain industries, particularly legal, where there's a the history of partnerships and subsidiaries and 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 what and what like like with the accounting, they do have generally speaking a plan for a partnership ending and you know mm. one of the local branches spinning off on their own. But that's because of the part, that's because of the industry that they're within. Now yeah. you look in any other, you look in other industries, they don't tend to do that. They tend to buy an entity and then that's part of them, you know, the IT technology tends to be, you know, buying, merging, buy more, merge more, that sort of thing. Whereas with legal, it tends to be like a more partnership led model, you know, so they are more likely to have a plan for this scenario than a technology company would because we don't foresee that sort of thing happening. Hmm. So certain industries will have a plan for it. It won't be part of the BCP planning, though. It will be part of day-to-day, this is coming down the pipe. They want to spin off from us or we want to spin them off from us because the partnership wasn't working for us. Therefore, then they start firming up those sorts of plans. But in that industry, all of the, the way that the data is managed is managed in such a way that it allows that clean break. Many of the many of the companies that operate globally don't follow that model, so it's, they have they will there will be a massive amount of whiplash from the business decision making on a technological perspective. Is it something that organisations need to start considering as part of their PCP? <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it, it is and. You know, not not to take it down a darker route, but I think when when nine eleven happened, mm. nobody had ever looked at anybody using an airplane as a weapon. You just don't comprehend that, yeah. that that's going to be happening. So a lot of this stuff will always get built in after something's happened. I, I would say the Royal Air Force will disagree with you. Well. <laughs> Okay, okay. You know what I mean, though. Um, this, a passenger this, airline. I think is you know is our building at risk from a from a passenger airline. No. Um, so I think a lot of this stuff 
comes out as results of things. Um, but it's where, where do you draw that line? You know, because you're, you know, a lot of sort of planning around what you're going to do is, well, if this happens, if this happens, we could do this, or if this kind of event happens, we could do that. And it probably needs to be taken up at a more generic level. You know, it's not not necessarily what do we do with our data if we fall out with, you know, country X or or this or that or the other. It's it's if we need to retract access, yeah, for whatever reason, what's our plan? So that's probably what needs, you know, there's there's, there's almost, as you said, there's, there's almost a an emergency exit plan type thing, yeah, that needs to exist. So I'm I'm just sort of conscious of of time, and we've talked about a lot of what the the challenges around them are. I think it's probably time to try and put our practical uh, guidance type heads on. Um, so coming to the coming to the very first one, if you're an organisation that's got sounds terrible Russian technology um, within your environment, what would our advice be on that straight practical piece? Swap it out. Don't swap it out. Swap it out. In my eyes, um, I mean the the antivirus one that we were talking about easier uh, earlier was was an easy win. You know, there's there's plenty of alternatives out there when it comes to antivirus products. You know, if you're a Microsoft customer, you, you may already be entitled to using the various uh, antivirus products and defender products that, that Microsoft sell as part of your existing license agreement. So, you know, straight away there, if it is an antivirus product, you've got loads of different options. You know, moving further afield, if there are more bespoke sort of softwares or whatever that you might use as part of your organization that are from Russia, it's again it's it's weighing up the alternatives and um you know coming down to the the organization's ethical standpoints is you know are we going to be willing to pay more for a product that's not russian to to get us out of this difficult spot don't know but as long as it does the job then move it there's you know? there's, there's very few i think there's very few products on the market that do not have <laughs> some sort of peer whether they're as good or yeah. or whatever is, is a slightly different question but there's it's very rare that you get to a product and go, well, that's the only one that does that. Yeah. So I think I think from that perspective, you know, if if your organization has decided, no, we don't want anything to do with Russian organizations, then straight swap outs. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of replacements and and you know, as I said, organizations like us were getting asked, can we swap swap this for that? The answer is yes, of course it is. Yeah. But um on the advice around protecting data, what is our advice then to organisations? Are we are we saying get DLP and stuff in place and apply policies? Are we? Yes, you, we, you, DLP applying policies, categorising your data is the core key thing that needs to be done first because. You can't decide what to do with the data unless you know what it is and where it is. It gives you the visibility, the understanding as well, doesn't it, Paul? So, yeah. yeah. Then you can make decisions as to whether you start going down ethical walling of users and entities from certain pieces of data and so on and so forth, or cutting the cord completely. But you'd need to categorise 
your data as soon as possible and know where it is. Yeah, I think in, in Microsoft speak, you know, you've got information barriers, things like scope search that can be implemented as part of an overall tenant, you know, and then, you know, in the more severe cases, it, it's going to be like you said there, Pete, cutting that cord and disabling user accounts, nominating servers to be domain controllers, whatever it might be, and, 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 and cutting that. But I think first and foremost, it's having that visibility of who's got access to what in the environment and who needs to have access to what. Um, and, and once you've got that boxed off, then that'd be my first approach and then start. It's, it's, it's like to start say, with the understanding, isn't it? Rather than exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. You don't want to cause yourself more pain down the bloody road. That's the thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and what about at an organisation level? I guess. I guess that's probably one we we probably can't answer because that's down to individual preferences it's down to individual preferences individual industries what products are supplied to to the people of russia what products are supplied to the businesses within russia now there are moral and ethical dilemmas to extracting certain industries from an entire country it's it's my, my advice on that one, speak to the business. The business has to drive the decisions. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any other alternative is that some somebody has to make the decision somewhere about how far they are prepared to take their, to test their, uh, flex their ethical, moral limits. I mean, we know that there are organisations who are saying they're not going to pull out um and i think that's quite interesting because there seems to be quite a backlash against people who are continuing to trade yeah organizations are being bullied out of of trading in russia by the the general populace you know and and, and rightly or wrongly you know it's happening so these organizations are getting pressure from external forces to to stop manufacturing, to stop selling, to stop producing to in Russia, um, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a tough one. It is. Well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, normally I get to the end of these things and I'm quite chipper and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's all sort of, um, yeah, thanks very much. This is all great. Um, yeah. It doesn't feel that that's quite the right, <laughs> the right ending in this case. Um, I think it's been interesting, though. It's, I mean, it's, it's obviously a massively complicated topic, um, mm. and I don't think we've overstepped the mark anywhere in what we should or shouldn't discuss about. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think businesses need to decide where their tolerance levels are or what they believe is right from wrong. Outside of that classify your data understand where it is and then if you've got additional uh, products that need to be replaced crack on and crack on and do but yeah. I, I think you know this is not going to be a quick fix for any organization um but it's been a very interesting discussion um the other topic <laughs> which was briefly mentioned uh we will bump out to episode 28 um but i think it was worthwhile pursuing with this one um 
So thank you very much, both of you. I think I'm going to go and get a cup of tea now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, Paul Hayward, uh, Rich Tolley, Senior Solution Architects, uh, thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, somebody else gets the the, the pleasure of talking about uh, fines attributed to businesses who don't look after their data. Um, but we will be back in two weeks' time. And uh, thank you very much both. And until then, cheerio. This is the ModPod, brought to you by Modality, helping businesses optimise their Microsoft technologies everywhere.